Welcome to the Hooked on Fantasy Podcast with your host, Luke Sawhook. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hooked on Fantasy. As always, I'm your host, Luke Sawhook. Thank you so much for being here. Shout out to Beast, uh, Beast Prod, Beast Productions for always being here early. Nodi Gang over on Twitch. Thank you guys so much. Uh, everyone watching over on Twitter live right now as well. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. 15 of you. I can see your chat open on my phone right now. Thank you so much for being here. If you want to join the live chat over on Twitch, which I would recommend, I think it's more fun personally, head on over to twitch.tv slash Luke Sawhook and join in on my amazing community. All right. Well, I was just in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine this past weekend. And I can't wait to break down my experience for you guys today in this episode. Before we get into that, though, we have plenty of news and notes from around the NFL to cover pertaining franchise tags, contract extensions, and more. So let's jump right into the news from around the league. All right, so today was the deadline for franchise tags today at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is Tuesday, by the way, as I'm recording this live. Come uh, check out the live recordings on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The podcast is always released immediately after the live recording. So whenever you're listening to this, thank you so much. But if you want to catch the show live, check out my social media, mostly Twitter, of course, uh, at Tuesday and Thursday, around 6 p.m. Eastern when I get out of classes for the day. I usually go live over on Twitch and on Twitter for my viewers, and then release the podcast on all streaming platforms as soon as I'm finished recording. But with that being said, let's get into the news and notes. Uh, Lamar Jackson received the uh, non-exclusive franchise tag from the Baltimore Ravens this afternoon, which was to be expected. It was reported earlier today that um, if he was not able to reach a long-term extension with the Baltimore Ravens today, by the 4 p.m. deadline, that he was going to receive the franchise tag, which did indeed happen, and it was the non-exclusive one, which was also expected uh, of the Ravens to do so. It's actually a pretty good uh, negotiation negotiation tactic on the part of the Baltimore Ravens, in my opinion. This gives them the opportunity to say, hey, Lamar, we know you really want a fully guaranteed contract. Do I think Lamar Jackson deserves fully guaranteed money? I mean, personally, I think yes. I know it might be a bit of a hot take. It could be a bit of a dangerous precedent, quote-unquote, to, to set for the NFL in terms of giving fully guaranteed money to players. But you know, I mean, Lamar Jackson kind of deserves it. He's a, he's an incredibly talented quarterback, MVP winner, the the heart and soul of the Baltimore Ravens organization on offense, the guy who makes that team run. Uh, so do I think he deserves guaranteed money if Deshaun Watson got it? Yeah, that's the precedent that's been set out there in the NFL. But anyway, Lamar Jackson, a fun little nuance to this conversation that I don't think a lot of people realize is that Lamar Jackson is his own agent. He does not have an agent representing him actively in these negotiations. So that leaves him a little bit vulnerable and I wouldn't say underprepared, but definitely at a disadvantage uh, than most athletes do when talking over new contracts and contract extension with their organizations. Toronto Dave, love you. Shout out for being in the live chat. We appreciate you. Um, But listen, Lamar wants a fully guaranteed contract. We don't know how much money he wants. Daniel Jones, who we're going to get to in a little bit, just signed a four-year contract extension with the New York Giants for $40 million a season, which we'll get into my thoughts on that in a second. But $40 million a season for uh, Daniel Jones just signed today at 4 p.m. right at the buzzer with the deadline. Uh, there was also Derek Carr getting $35 million a year and Geno Smith getting $35 million a year yesterday. So the thing that's a little interesting here is you have to, you know, look at age when you're looking at all these situations as well, because it's not just about how good you are. It's about how good you can be for a team for a long time, right? 
And Geno Smith and uh, – not Russell Wilson, sorry. Geno Smith and Derek Carr are both in their early 30s. Geno Smith is 32 years old, and Derek Carr is 31 years old. Both received, I believe, three-year deals. Or was Carr's four? I don't I don't remember. But I know Geno Smith was definitely three. Um, so $35 million for both of those guys. And then you have Daniel Jones getting $40 million. So if you look at the landscape of that, where will Lamar Jackson's per year salary land? I would bet my money, I would bet my house that it's upwards of $45 million a year. He might come in around 50. Uh, I'm not too sure. Patrick Mahomes' contract's currently at about $45 million this season. Uh, so we'll see what's going on. Uh, Don C. The Killer in chat says, to me, all the teams that would pay Lamar Jackson are in a position to draft one of these rookies. Yeah, it's a really interesting situation going on with Lamar right now in terms of the teams that are interested in him. And also a team that teams that are not interested in him, uh, you know, more rather uh, the Atlanta Falcons, who certainly have a need to the quarterback position, uh, are already saying that they are not interested in Lamar Jackson. The Washington Commanders are not in on Lamar Jackson, apparently, according to a ton of NFL insider sources. Uh, there's a bunch of teams that are saying, hey, you know, we're not really interested. I believe the Carolina Panthers are one as well, who also have a glaring need of quarterback. Like like Don C. The Killer said in the chat here on Twitch. Um, you know, a lot of these teams are going to be primed to take a quarterback who we'll be talking about later. These quarterback prospects, seeing them in Indy, seeing them up close, in my opinion, on these guys. Uh, we'll get into that in a second, some possible team fits and whatnot as well. Um, but I will say, I think it's pretty surprising that so many teams are coming out early and saying, hey, you know, we aren't really interested in Lamar Jackson. I think it's really, really interesting to me. Um, but moving on from that point there, Daniel Jones signs a four-year, $40 million extension Sorry, not $40 million, $40 million a year extension, I meant to say, with the New York Giants. I believe $92 million of that is guaranteed. He played pretty well this past season, you know, given his circumstances. Brian Dable definitely gave Daniel Jones a boost that Giants fans have been waiting for in terms of consistent play and production. Um, I think this is a pretty decent deal for the Giants. I'm not going to lie. I've seen it being a, a pretty polarizing contract so far on social media, and I, I get it, right? You know, Jones hasn't really shown you that much throughout his career so far. But I do believe that, you know, when you're looking at the quarterback landscape, like I mentioned, Geno Smith and Derek Carr both getting $35 million a season. Both are veteran guys. Both have a little bit to prove. Uh, you know, Darren Daniel Jones still has some stuff to prove, but he's only 25 years old. Uh, so, I mean, you have to factor in age in these contract negotiations. So it makes sense to me. I don't think it's a bad deal at all for the New York Giants to keep Daniel Jones in that system with Brian Dable, uh, who obviously, you know, won coach of the year this past season for what he did in New York, deservedly so in my opinion. And I think it makes sense for them to keep that uh, the quarterback in the room there and continue to try to do great things and hopefully win some playoff games in the near future. I think the next step for the New York Giants is going to be getting Daniel Jones some quality pass catchers. You know, as we've seen in the NFL over the last few seasons, it's all about getting your quarterback quality weapons. We've seen it with DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray, allowing Kyler to take the next step. Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase, allowing him to take the next step. Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs for him to take the next step. And the list goes on and on, right? Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown is another example. Um, but Daniel Jones needs some wide receivers. I mean, think about it at home right now. Who was a New York Giants wide receiver one this season? Think. Who was their best receiver? It's difficult. It really is difficult to think, Right. They need to go out there and they need to draft or sign some people in free agency or make some trades, maybe try to make a big splash for DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not saying they're going to do so, but I feel like they should be in the mix for a guy like that. Um, going out there and trying to make a move on a veteran guy or at least spending a, at least a day two pick, maybe even a second round pick plus 
on a wide receiver in this draft. They do have other needs like the offensive line uh, there in New York, but I do think that Daniel Jones can greatly benefit from getting some weapons on that team. All right, moving on, another piece of New York Giants news before we get into the combine recap. Saquon Barkley hit with the franchise tag. Not too surprising here, in my opinion. Uh, he, Josh Jacobs both received the franchise tag, and Tony Pollard, actually. Three running backs all received the franchise tag, and none of them really surprised me. I think the Dallas Cowboys were in the most unique situation on how they wanted to approach the running back position with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard in that strange dynamic of Ezekiel Elliott definitely not getting any younger, uh, while Tony Pollard being a fantastic running option for them on a consistent basis in Dallas. Um, but I think it makes sense for them to bring back Tony Pollard. They're going to restructure Ezekiel Elliott's contract. But I just don't really understand why they're doing this uh, to the degree of I think it would be better for them just to let both go and then just try to draft B. John Robinson. I, I'm just being honest. We'll talk about B. John in a little bit here. I got to take a picture with him at the Combine, which was so cool. It's my new pin tweet. It's probably maybe my new pin tweet like forever on Twitter. Um, he was just walking around the media room after his press conferences were over. And he was just there. And I know he had a little NFL like rep with him, making sure, you know, he was good and on schedule and whatnot. But I walked up to him. And I was like, oh, hey, Bijan, can I get a pick real quick? And he was like, he kind of just like looked at me. And then the rep was like, oh, we got to keep him moving. And he's like, yeah, let's take one while we're walking real quick. So I went, got my little selfie of Bijan, went on my way. My hands were shaking. I was incredibly nervous. Um, but man, I, I normally, I, I will say this too. Normally, I'm not the kind of guy to like fanboy over athletes in public or try to get pictures with athletes if I've ever seen anybody, or try to approach just celebrities in general in public. It's not really my thing. I don't really like bothering people, uh, or, you know, I don't want to be that guy. He was like, you know, they're in the middle of something, go to whatever. But he was just by himself. He was just chilling. Um, you know, he wasn't really in the middle of anything. So, and it was Bijan, dude. It was Bijan. If it was maybe like a, no offense to other running back prospects, but if it was maybe like a sixth round, you know, projected running back prospect, I would have left him alone. Uh, but it's Bijan Robinson, man. I mean, how many chances in life do you get to take a picture with an NFL future superstar? Probably. I mean, I had to, man. I had to. It was so cool. Uh, but shout out Bijan, you're an absolute legend. Rooting for you. Definitely gonna buy your jersey when you get in the NFL. He also retweeted my tweet the other day too, which is awesome. So I, that was so cool. Um, I guess that's gonna be our transition. It was kind of a messy one. Um, but let's just transition now into my NFL Combine Weekend recap. All right, so like I mentioned a few times already, I was at, I'm wearing a hoodie, if you're listening to the audio version, I'm wearing my 2023 NFL Scotting Combine hoodie, which I actually love this hoodie, by the way, it's super comfortable. Um, but I was there this past weekend, I was, you know, lucky enough to be approved for an NFL media credential. Uh, I've also got a lot of questions about this on Twitter, by the way, if anyone out there is, you know, a huge NFL fan, a huge sports fan, covers NFL or fantasy football anywhere on Twitter or makes podcasts or YouTube videos or TikToks or anything. If you are affiliated with any kind of decently reputable organization, you can get approved. I, I mean it. Uh, the way you do it is you go to NFLcommunications.com. From there, you make a you make a profile and then you apply to. You basically have to ap be approved to then apply for future events, and then you have to get your credentials approved. So you can go on there right now and sign up to like get approved to apply for events in the future, if that makes sense. Um, but I applied for the NFL Combine a few weeks ago. I got an email back uh, about a week before the NFL Combine began uh, saying, hey, you know, your media credentials were approved, uh, which was awesome. I was super excited because I've never been to an NFL event as media. or I've never really been to an NFL event in general, honestly. I've never been to the draft. I've never been to the Combine. Um, 
never been to the Super Bowl. I probably still never will go because it's insanely expensive. But maybe I'll go to like Media Row uh, or Radio Row next next year, possibly. You never know. Or NFL Honors. I was trying to think of any other events or, or the Pro Bowl. I haven't been to any of those. Um, and then let alone as media. I mean, that was just such a cool uh, you know, email to get saying that my access was approved. Uh, so I booked my hotels. I was able to drive to Indianapolis this past Thursday because uh, I live at, at Miami University of Ohio, which is like right on the border of Indiana and Ohio. So it's not too far away. It's only about an hour and 45 minutes by car to Indy. So Thursday night after I was done with my classes, I packed my bags, hit the road with my best friend, Will, and we went to Indiana. And it was awesome, dude. It was so cool. So we got in Thursday night. I could have got there earlier in the week for some more press ability, uh, media availability, but I didn't really feel like it, honestly. Uh, like Tuesday, there were some head coaches and GMs there, which was cool. Um, but I couldn't really leave in the middle of the work week because uh, I have a job now. Flex. And I have <laughs> – just kidding. I'm still in school too, so it's kind of hard to leave in the middle of classes and whatnot. Uh, but my, my, my school week finishes on Thursday. So I left on Thursday, got there on Friday, uh, Thursday night. Friday morning was the big day. That was the big day. And I learned a lot on Friday morning. Friday morning was the media availability for all the top quarterbacks and top wide receivers and tight ends. So that was an amazing experience. That morning I got there at about 7.15 to the Indiana uh, Convention or the Indianapolis Convention Center or whatever it was called. Went upstairs, got my media credential, which I have sitting over here next to me, by the way. Let me just grab it real quick so I can flex on you guys. Just kidding. But uh, here it is for anyone watching on video. I'm just showing off my little lanyard uh, with my uh, media credential here. I'm going to keep the souvenir for the rest of my life. I uh, thought it was so cool. Um, but I went downstairs after getting my media credential, and I went into the press conference room, which was super surreal uh, just to be in that uh, that room. Uh, I, you know, as I'm sure a lot of you listening to this or watching this can relate to, you know, like watching uh, NFL Combine press conferences or, or media or just like watching the Combine on TV. Uh, for years and years and years and seeing all this theming and seeing, oh, like, you know, these, these prospects are next up and seeing the, the prospects take their, their podiums with their little like QB number, whatever shirts and stuff. Um, dude, it was such a surreal experience. But I got there at like 715 because the prospects were slated to take the podium at 8 a.m. So I got there at 715. Bryce Young from Alabama, the quarterback, uh, was scheduled to take the podium at 8 a.m. So I was like, I was assuming like when I got there, like 7:20, it was going to be like a zoo already because it was only like 40 minutes away. Uh, I figured that everyone was going to be lined out the freaking door for Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson, who was back to back to back at the same podium, podium one, right in the media room, the number one podium. 20, uh, 8 8 a.m. Bryce Young, 8:20 C.J. Stroud, 8:40 Anthony Richardson. They was like bang, 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 top prospect, top prospect, top prospect. Um, which was insane. But I got there, all this to say, and there was nobody there. There was only like two other guys. So I was able to get front row, front and center for Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson. And then later I went on some other guys we'll get to in a second. But dude, that was an unbelievable experience. I mean, front row, like literally less than four feet away from Bryce Young, Stroud, and Richardson was unreal dude it felt like i was in a dream i didn't get to ask them any questions unfortunately because it was like super intimidating uh all those reporters were just like chomping at the bit to ask questions it was like what you see in you know tv shows and movies man it's like you know they finish a question and it's like price price and everyone kind of like talks over each other until someone just like emerges as the question um it was like that it was kind of scary i didn't know if i was able to actually get a question off so i did it for the top quarterbacks but it was okay uh what i learned from those quarterbacks bryce young 
is extremely intelligent. Like, I'm not saying that he's not intelligent or whatever, but like he is incredibly sharp. You can just tell like when he got up on the podium. I heard some people talking after his conference was over, and I agree. Like he had almost like a politician like uh, cadence about him. Like he was just like very aware of everything going on, very smart, very you know thoughtful in his answers. He he had the kind of demeanor of somebody who was just like very very thankful to, to be there for the opportunity. He was very happy to be there. He was so nice. Like I honestly, he left probably the strongest impression on any on me of any of the quarterback well actually that's not true anthony richardson left a stronger impression we'll get to him in a second but he left a very strong impression on me of just being a, a really well put together leader a young man in person like he just was awesome he was really really cool and uh i'm sure some of you thinking did he look short um kind of hard to tell he was up on a big podium but i will say uh going from him to cj stroud who's a lot bigger than him and then going from cj stroud to anthony richardson it's just like damn like Anthony Richardson, when he when I was, I was on my phone for a second because I was just like tweeting out I was tweeting out a bunch of stuff during these events, right? And I was tweeting out a bunch of stuff, and I looked up, and Anthony Richardson is just there, and I was like, oh my god, he's huge, <laughs> he's so big, he's six four, two hundred and forty four pounds, like he is a gigantic man. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I'm getting off track again. Bryce Young gave a really good press conference. He said he met some with some of the top teams. I didn't really learn anything from his press conference. He was, like I said, very like politician-esque, kind of beat around the bush for most of the, the difficult questions. Uh, he gave some juicy answers about his height. You know, he said, like, respectfully, I've been this height my entire life. Uh, you know, I've been playing this, at this height my entire life. I'm not too concerned. Some people ask him about the weight that he's been putting on because it's been reported that, you know, he's trying to get up to around 200 pounds. He's trying to get to, like, that Kyler Murray level build. Now that it's official that they're the same height. Kyler has... And he's a little bit more stocky. Like he has a little bit more weight on him, a little bit more built to survive like the durability of an NFL season, right? Uh, Young's not there yet. You know, he's still trying to put on that muscle, put on that poundage. Um, so he talked a little bit about that process and talked about how, what it was like to try to put on weight. And he just gave credit to his training staff he's been working with and all that kind of stuff. Not a lot of juice from Bryce Young, which is a good thing. You know, I mean, if you're the top prospect, you're the top quarterback prospect consensus in this draft class, not mine. CJ Stroud is just hint, hint. Um, but Bryce Young... Uh, he, he, he gave a great interview. You know, he was really nice, very, you know, professional, very kind to the media, very nice guy, very sharp. Like I mentioned, uh, and then CJ Stroud came up and he gave a, another great press conference. He was a very, um, more traditional athlete kind of cadence about him. Very confident, very confident. I mean, I like it. It didn't come across as cocky or anything, but he was really, really confident in his ability, which I love. He also, uh, the thing I learned from his availability is that he has, did not want to play for the Chicago bears. He said that the Bears are Justin Fields' team, and he does not want to play there, which I thought was really a cool thing to do. You know, they both played at Ohio State together, he and Fields. And to say, you know, like, no, that's my brother. Um, it's his team. You know, it's his team. I thought that was dope. I really, really liked that from C.J. Stroud. I loved that, that he was, you know, honest enough uh, to, you know, say that, you know, hey, it's his team. I don't want to be there. It's his team, and he's a good quarterback. He's not a running back. Uh, that was really cool to hear. And another thing that he said in his interview that I thought was really interesting uh, was somebody asked him about if there's any flaws in his game, CJ Stroud's game. And he said, I'm going to be honest with you guys. That's a direct quote. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I wish I'd use my legs more in college. And I thought that was a really good answer because when you watch CJ Stroud on film, in my opinion, again, I'm not a pro scout, but I am somebody who's who tends to dabble a bit in film watching. I try to analyze these prospects to the best of my ability. I'm, of course, I, you know, I'm not Mel Kuyper. 
I'm not some you know professional scout again by any means, but I try my best to look at these you know look at these quarterbacks, look at this film, and you know pull things from it, right? And C.J. Stroud, a really common you know knock on him from draft evaluators and whatnot is his mobility. Uh, somebody in the Twitter chat just said real quick, none of these quarterbacks strike me as guarantees. I'd roll the dice with Richardson if I'm a GM. Interesting. So he'd be your QB one if you were a GM. I kind of disagree. Uh, I'll finish my answer here or what I'm talking about here, and I'll get into. Uh, CJ Stroud, who I think is the QB one of this class, by the way. Um, but Stroud said he wishes he uses his legs more in college. And like I said, like, you know, a lot of the time when you're looking at, uh, you know, draft analysis or draft prospect Twitter or, you know, just articles written about CJ Stroud or scouting reports and whatnot, everyone says that he just didn't use his legs enough. And I think it's really interesting that he gave that answer a, a real answer. Like, it's not just like, oh, like, I think it's a weakness in my game is that I'm, I don't know, like too nice to the ref you know like you know what i mean like there's, there's tons of answers that you can give to try to like beat around the bush and not give like a real honest answer but he didn't do that you know like he gave me an answer or us an answer i didn't ask the question because again it was a zoo with the media uh but cj stroud gave an answer saying hey you know i wish i used my legs more and i thought that was really interesting somebody's asked a question in the chat am i taking jameer gibbs or jackson smith in jigba and dynasty great question it's really going to depend on draft day but if i had to pick one right now I would personally rather have Jameer Gibbs, just with the positional scarcity of running back. Uh, I think Smith and Jigba is another fantastic player, but I would rather have Jameer Gibbs personally. Who I got to ask some questions, by the way, which is really, really cool. I'll get into that in a little bit. But C.J. Stroud gave us an answer about the legs. Um, I, th I agree. You know, like I said, people knock him for not using his legs enough in college. And he's kind of a statue in the pocket that he wants to play, more of an old school uh, drop back and be a pocket passer kind of prototypical quarterback kind of player. And while that is the strength of his game, uh, you know, he's a great passer, very accurate, uh, drop back, read the field, hit the throw kind of quarterback. You know, if you watch his film, he can move just fine. I wouldn't say like to the level of Joe Burrow, maybe a little bit slower than that. Um, but he has plenty of mobility, you know, if it's third and seven and, the you know, everyone's dropped back real deep. He can roll out of the pocket and scramble for seven. You know, he can do that. He can extend the play in the pocket and use his legs with coaching. Absolutely. That's not even a concern for me with CJ Stroud. And I thought it was really cool that he addressed that answer. And then also kind of a funny thing from that press conference, uh, you know, somebody asked CJ Stroud what his NFL player comparisons are. And he said, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just, I'll, I'll, I'll explain why I'm laughing in a second. He said that he, well, you'll understand. He said in the pocket, you know, he thinks of like Michael Vick. And that's the reason he wears number seven, uh, which I thought was, you know, a decent answer. But, you know, obviously Michael Vick still has, represents a lot of controversy uh, with, you know, his past. And then, if you, think, if you think Michael Vick's controversial, next player, he says, is he looks up to Deshaun Watson and tries to replicate his game. So, yikes, we're going, for, uh, we're going from Vick to Deshaun Watson, so that's cool. And then Joe Burrow. So, like, he's the, – the way the full quote – I just dissected it there. But the way the full quote was was basically like, uh, you know, like, hey, CJ, like, uh, who are the two – like, what are your NFL comparisons? Like, who do you try to model your game after from the NFL or whatever? He's like, I got to go with – I got to go with uh, Michael Vick, you know, as a, as a black quarterback. And uh, he was a really underrated pocket passer. He's the reason I wear number seven. I look up to Deshaun Watson and I like really just try to emulate his game and Joe Burrow as well. It was, it, that's what it sounded like. It didn't come off bad in the moment to me, but I recorded it and posted it on Twitter. And then Barstool Sports is like, hey, check your DMs. Hey, check your DMs. And then Barstool takes it and posts it. And then they spin it immediately. <laughs> they spin it immediately into – CJ Stroud looks up to Michael Vick and Deshaun Watson, which is like, 
it's just funny. It's just funny how the media does that. But, you know, I totally get it. It, it was kind of a weird choice. Like, that's not a safe answer at all. Like, if you're going to – if someone asks you, like, hey, well, hey, um, hey, Luke, you know, if, if I was a prospect, hey, Luke, like, what – what, who do you try to model your game after? I'd be like, oh, you know, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Kenny Pickett. I, like, anyone who's not involved in a tremendous controversy might be a better answer. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so CJ Stroud gave a great interview as well. He also had a great quote about being a ball placement specialist and throwing his receivers open and how accurate he is. And that's what really separates him from the rest of the quarterbacks in this draft class. And I totally agree. Again, he's my quarterback one in this class. I think that he just has a nice zip on the ball compared to Bryce Young, who's, whose arm talent lacks a little bit of zhuzh, uh, especially in the deeper thirds of the field. Um, I think Sarah Stroud is just an incredibly safe pick. Like someone in Twitter uh, comments said of excuse me, a few minutes ago saying that there's not really a safe quarterback in this class. I think if there is one, it's C.J. Stroud, in my opinion. I think Bryce Young is incredibly intelligent, and I think he's a really smart player. Um, but I think Stroud is too. I think that Stroud has better physical tools as a passer than Young. Young is a bit more mobile and agile. But again, you know, the height concerns, the weight concerns. Um, Stroud is, you know, prototypical, prototypical quarterback build, and I just really prefer that personally. So that's that's why I like Stroud. I think the ball just comes out of his hands a little bit better. Uh, he's a He's more accurate than Young. He has a better arm than Young, and he's a better build than Young. So that's why I like Stroud more personally. But, of course, there's a lot more intangibles there. I think Young is still in the same tier as C.J. Stroud, absolutely. It's 1A, 1B kind of situation for me. Uh, but I do prefer C.J. Stroud. And let's get into the combine darling here. I'm getting a phone call. Ignore that. Sorry. Uh, let's, let's talk about the combine darling here. Anthony Richardson out of Florida. Um, one second. Ignore this dead air. Okay, sorry. I have to text something back. Um, Anthony Richardson out of Florida gave an amazing interview at the Combine. He was unbelievably funny and charismatic and charming up on the podium. You know, it's being reported that he's been acing his interviews with all the teams that he's been meeting with. And he talked a little bit about that while he was on the podium, uh, you know, saying that, you know, he had some really great formal meetings with NFL teams. I believe he was talking about Carolina in his meeting, saying that he had a really good formal meeting with them, that he recalled some of the plays that they were telling them earlier in the meeting, no problem. And he made a really good impression on the staff that he felt like, which I thought was awesome to see. Um, and he also just talked about, you know, his background and his mom and how his mom's his hero and raised him. And he almost started crying on the podium because of the way he was thinking about his mom. I didn't necessarily learn anything from Anthony Richardson's interview besides that he is a good person. And that in person, he's just physically gigantic. Uh, he's so big, man. He's so big. And he also talked a little bit about his footwork too, which I thought was really nice. He said, um, you know, his inaccuracy really comes a lot of times from his footwork and trying to get on platform and set to, you know, really make those throws. And that sometimes he tries to rely a little bit too much on his arm, but he does have the ability to kind of rely on his arm sometimes and rip it in there still. Uh, so moving on to the last quarterback I got to interview that day was Will Levis, uh, quarterback from Kentucky, obviously. And he gave a really interesting interview. I didn't really know much about Will Levis's personality coming into this interview. Uh, so it was really quite interesting. He talked about the mayonnaise and the coffee. I, I, if, you, if you guys are familiar with Will Levis, you might know that there was like this viral video of him going around where he said that he puts mayonnaise in his coffee instead of creamer. And it's like the most disgusting thing ever. Um, but, you know, somebody asked him about it. He, he laughed it off. And somebody asked him if, uh, if any NFL teams had asked him about, you know, the coffee and creamer thing. He's like, no, like I actually or coffee and mayo thing. He's like, no, I actually was prepared to talk about because I thought someone was going to ask. But nobody asked me. And I thought that was pretty funny. And he said it was a joke or whatnot, whatever. But, you know, I don't think he's joking. I think he actually likes it. That's sick weirdo. 
Um, but the thing, one of the things I learned from the NFL combine, like if I was a quote unquote NFL insider, one thing that I took away from this round of press availability that I was available to go to that weekend was this Will Levis has not had a formal meeting with the Indianapolis Colts at the combine, which was fascinating to me because they hold the number four pick in the draft. They're looking at a lot of quarterbacks and I've seen a lot of mock drafts saying, Will Levis to the Colts makes a lot of sense. You know, he's a toolsy guy, really strong arm. He can do everything that the Colts offense wants, but they haven't even met with him. And for me, I think that's a pretty strong indicator that they have their eyes either locked on CJ Stroud or Anthony Richardson, unless they're going to move up to one for Bryce Young, which is possible. You know, it's rumored that the Colts are, wanting to be aggressive but i think that them not having will levis on their board is very telling about what they're looking for in a quarterback so now that's a piece of insider information that i th- i thought from that press conference was not reported on in the media enough um i thought that was pretty big news personally so um that that's something that, that really surprised me from the, the combine interviews that i was there for then i got to talk to michael Mayer, tight end from notre dame aka baby gronk and i also got to talk to dalton kincaid uh, another pretty big tight end prospect in this draft class. They both had meetings with the Cincinnati Bengals, and they both talked pretty fondly about those meetings, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, that was something I pro- I took away the most from that meeting, um, is that they both seem to be pretty interested in playing in Cincinnati, and that Cincinnati has formerly met with both of those players. I mean, obviously, if you just kind of look at their roster, Cincinnati, that is, and see where their holes are, tight end does seem like kind of a – not necessarily all bad need with Hayden Hurst, but they definitely could be like a nice luxury piece added to this offense who definitely could be better. You know, I mean, the, the Cincinnati Bengals are in a fantastic offense, a fantastic team, um, but there are pieces on that team that could be upgraded. And Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid both would be really nice additions to that tight end room in Cincinnati. So those are two guys I would definitely watch to the Bengals in the first round on draft night. Um, it, so that's something I came away learning about that interview as well. And um Michael Mayer also was just a really cool football guy. Give me big damn Campbell energy. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions took him, actually, just because of the way um, he carries himself, the way he acts. He, he really embodies, I think, the gritty kind of mentality that Danny Campbell's looking for. Um, Dalton Kincaid kind of did, uh, but he seems a little bit more flashy, a bit more um, you know, focused on being a receiver. Michael Mayer is focused on doing everything. I think that's what Dan Campbell is kind of searching for in his players. Uh, just my opinion. I'm obviously taking a bit of a reach there, but just my thoughts. And then later in the day, after I was done with all the quarterbacks and done with the tight ends, I was able to catch Jordan Addison out of USC and Pitt. Uh, got to see him uh, up close and personal. He was very vocal in his meetings about what he was thinking about teams, where he wants to go, where he wants to play. And two pretty big pieces of information I learned from that press conference is he said, one, it'd be a dream come true to play for his hometown where he grew up, Baltimore Ravens, which I thought was really interesting. That he Well, one, that he wants to play there because, you know, a lot of receivers have not been wanting to be drafted by Baltimore recently. So that's a pretty pretty interesting thing. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. He said, that he said quote, come get me about playing with Kenny Pickett and Pittsburgh Steelers. So he seems pretty interested in those two teams. And he compared his play style to Calvin Ridley and Stephon Diggs. That was a really cool meeting. Uh, you, you know, he was a... I wouldn't say he had an ego. He was a very, very confident guy. Well put together young man as well. Uh, It was really nice to talk to him. Really, really good interview. And then the next day after that, I went to go back that morning. I got to interview. uh, 
I didn't get to talk to him. But B. John Robinson, I was front and center for B. John, which was such a cool experience. I got later that, that day, I took that picture with him. He retweeted me on Twitter the next day. So we're basically best friends at this point, I think. I bought his mustard. So if you're looking for a B. John Robinson mustard review, that'll be coming soon uh, on my Twitter or wherever the hell I'll post that. So we'll, we'll try B. John's mustard. B. John Mustardson is the name of the mustard brand. So uh, we'll take a look at that cup. I think B. John's Dijon's a missed opportunity there, by the way. I don't know. Just me. I have no idea. Um, but B. John Robinson was amazing, dude. He gave in a fantastic interview. And the thing I learned from that interview of anything was that he lotion, he lotions, he listens to the ocean and safari noises before the game or uh, before games he plays. Like he listens to birds chirping, just general nature ambiance noises. And I just love that. He was such a charismatic and cool guy. I really, really enjoyed his interview. And then probably my favorite interview that I was a part of of the combine was Jameer Gibbs. Because I got to ask him two questions, which I thought was awesome. It was such an amazing experience to be able to ask a top prospect like that some really cool, uh, you know, some cool questions. I got to ask him, you know, I gave him two pretty traditional reporter questions, um, but it was just such a cool experience to be able to ask him. I asked him first and foremost, Jameer, uh, why do you think you're the best draft? Sorry, Jameer, why do you think you're the best running back in this draft class? And his answer was, just like I said a little bit earlier, I think I'm the most versatile. You know, I score a lot of touchdowns, catch a lot of balls. I can do anything on the field. I'm a playmaker. So, so that was basically his answer. You know, he says that he's the most versatile running back in the draft class. Um, and then later, I also asked him why that he, uh, what part of his game is the most lethal. I was trying to give him a bit of a softball to uh, reply that his speed is. Uh, and he, he kind of gave me that answer. He said, um, you know, when I get the ball in my hands anytime, I can take it to the house. And that's what sets him apart. So that was a pretty cool answer as well. And then Zach Charbonnet running back from UCLA. I got to ask him a few questions as well. I also asked him why I think he's the best running, why he thinks he's the best running back in the draft class. And he gave a pretty humble answer. He said that he thinks that there's a lot of great running backs in this draft class, but he thinks that his work ethic and what he puts into the game is going to set him apart there. And he's a great, you know, between the tackles runner. And then Bijan, when asked the same question the other day, uh, he said that he's also the most versatile. So Jameer and Bijan are having a, a, a competition for who's the most versatile running back in this draft class. Uh, I might give the nod to Bijan, but I think Jameer Gibbs is an outstanding player as well. And then that was kind of a wrap on my media availability. And as far as, you know, that was, was a lot of what I learned at the Combine this past weekend. The biggest pieces were what players the team is met with. And Zach Charbonnet from UCLA, I think the biggest piece too was that the Cincinnati Bengals gave Zach a formal interview. Only four teams gave him a formal interview. The Carolina Panthers, the Seattle Seahawks, the New England Patriots, and the Cincinnati Bengals. All four of those indicate a lot to me that those teams are interested in a second to third round running back. Carolina needs a running back badly. The Seahawks kind of surprised me with Kenneth Walker the third. Doesn't really seem like they need to spend, you know, day two capital on another running back. Um, but it would be kind of a Seahawks thing to do. And then we also had the New England Patriots, which is a kind of an interesting thing with the Ramondre Stevenson situation there right now. So it kind of indicates that they might be looking for a new running back. And then finally, the Cincinnati Bengals. That is huge. I think that him getting an interview from the Bengals is a pretty strong indicator that they're going to move on from Joe Mixon this offseason, which I think is the right move. Uh, it actually came out today, too. That there was a, some reported like shooting at his house. I have no idea exactly what that is about. It seems like the, the news on that still hasn't really developed all the way. Um, but I think the Bengals are going to be moving on from Joe Mixon this offseason to save some money. Mixon also didn't have a very productive season, kind of Najee Harris vibes as far as running the ball. He had some big games, notably the five-touchdown game against the Carolina Panthers. But overall in the season, he didn't really have that great of a year. Um, so it would make a lot of sense to me for the Cincinnati Bengals to move on and draft a rookie running back to get 
replaceable level production, uh, you know, for much, much cheaper uh, this coming year. So be on the lookout for that move as well. And then at the combine, Anthony Richardson put on a show. Obviously, I had a front row seat for it. He was an extremely dynamic athlete. I think he's rising up draft boards very, very quickly. CJ Stroud put on a passing showcase. He was damn near flawless in his performance in the passing portion of the combine. Will Levis, um, he didn't he didn't hurt his stock, in my opinion, but he definitely didn't help it, I don't think. Uh, you know, he said in his interview the other day that he's got he has a cannon and he's gonna show it off at his combine. And did he make some good throws? Yeah, but Richardson definitely showed him up in the arm talent department, in my opinion. And he didn't wow me. He didn't wow me. But you know who really did wow me, though, was Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett, the quarterback out of Georgia, or notorious old man, of course, an NFL you know draft Twitter. Um, but he he played great in that workout during the combine throwing. Uh, he had a really nice deep ball. He made plenty of accurate throws. He outplayed a lot of the top quarterbacks in his draft as far as like the second or third round prospects. And I think he th- I think he threw better than Will Levis did. I don't know if that's a hot take. But I think he threw better than Will Levis did uh, watching him in person. I think he looked fanat- uh, fantastic. And I think Stetson Bennett really helped his draft stock. I personally, as a GM, would feel comfortable taking him in like round three. I think he has starting quarterback upside. And I think, I think at worst, you're getting a really solid backup quarterback with Stetson Bennett. He's smart. He's a great player. We saw that at Georgia. The only thing really holding him back is his size and his age. So if he can kind of overcome those two factors, I think he can be a great player at the next level. All right, guys. I mean, that really does it for my NFL combine, you know, look inside my experience, what I've learned, information I gathered while I was there from just being at press conferences, the general, you know, feedback that around the, the media rooms that I was in and how people were feeling about all these quarterback prospects and running back prospects and wide receiver prospects. Um, not a lot learned from wide receivers and tight ends just because I wasn't in a lot of their media availabilities. But I feel like I learned a lot about these quarterbacks this past year. Uh, so I feel like I'm really looking forward to this draft now. I'm I'm really excited to see how mock drafts kind of shake up and the hype builds with pro days coming soon and more and more mock drafts and media hype as April coming right around the corner. So I think that ultimately this is going to be a really interesting year, especially at the top of the draft with the quarterbacks. And we're to see where these top running backs fall with B. John Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, and Zach Charbonnet. So that's going to do it for me today, guys. And I'll be back on Thursday with a new guest. Check my Twitter for who it is now. Uh, or if not, you'll have to wait until Thursday. Goodbye, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. See you soon.